Blinkist connects readers worldwide to the biggest ideas of the most popular nonfiction books via audio and text. The service provides summaries of over 3,000 best-selling nonfiction books with customers in more than 150 countries, having over 140 employees from 40 different nationalities. They made their first million by year four, now having 17 million readers. We stand today. The Business Method with a shout The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring high-performing entrepreneurs and high-caliber people dissecting their different methods, tools, and strategies so we can apply them to our businesses and lives. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that had built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built seven-figure businesses that can be ran anywhere in the world. And currently, we are interviewing 100 major influencers to get behind the minds and the science of using influence to grow business, affect income, results, economies, and cultures, especially post-COVID. Since we moved into a post-pandemic world, the landscape has changed drastically for most business owners. We're finding out what is working for the entrepreneurs out there that have positioned themselves well to make sure their businesses thrive, succeed, and continue to experience growth in this current economy. And now... Let's hop into today's show. The Business Method. Hey, gals and pals, listen up real quick because we have something exciting to share with you. First, for you high-performing entrepreneurs out there, we've taken the most powerful tips and tricks from over 400 episodes that our guests have shared on how to optimize their own personal performance, and we've made them into digestible micro-podcast episodes that are just two to eight minutes long. These high-performance episodes are being published on Monday and Friday each week and will be labeled as HP number 1234567891010 and so on. Those episodes are live now and they're designed for you to consume some quick, high-quality content when you only have a few minutes to spare. So be sure to subscribe to the Business Method Podcast on your favorite app so you can get those delivered to you as soon as they are live. The next thing I wanted to share with you is about our private mastermind community for established entrepreneurs. If you have an established business that has good momentum and wanted to be involved in a higher level mastermind community that is curated specifically for entrepreneurs that are moving at the same speed as you with similar challenges, revenue, team size, and business niche, then we've got a group for you. Our private mastermind groups are facilitated by myself, yours truly, and my good friend Adam Anderson. Adam is a seasoned entrepreneur who's been involved in 20 plus startups over 20 years and recently had a multi-million dollar exit. I keep the members on track with their goals, productivity, and optimization, and Adam brings the vast business knowledge to the groups. Our purpose with this private community is to help you reach your business goals faster so you can remove yourself from your company and focus on bigger and better things. You can learn more about that private community and masterminds at thebusinessmethod.com forward slash masterminds. That's thebusinessmethod.com forward slash masterminds. And now let's hop into today's show. The Business Method. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the podcast today. We are joined by co-founder and CEO of Blinkist, Holger Sein. Blinkist connects 17 million readers worldwide to the biggest ideas of the most popular nonfiction books via audio and text. It is a book summarizing subscription service mobile app based out of Berlin, Germany, and it was founded in 2012. 
and the service provides summaries of over 3,000 best-selling nonfiction books, 15-minute reads for your short-term content consumption. Holger co-founded Blinkist with a vision to inspire people to never stop learning and grew it into a global brand with customers of in more than 150 countries, having over 140 employees from 40 different nationalities, and they made their first million by year four, now having 17 million readers. Without further ado, let's welcome Holger to the show. Holger, how are you, my friend? Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm feeling good. I uh, had a productive day here in Berlin. Already figured out it's your morning, my afternoon, so I'll be done with my day after that podcast, and I feel good about it. Yeah, I'll just be getting things warmed up. So welcome to the show, my friend. I'm glad you're here, and thanks for taking time to come on. I want to, first off, I really love the concept of Blinkist because I think with our attention spans these, these days, we need more things like Blinkist that can help us consume short bits of high-quality content on a regular basis, whether we're commuting to work or you know on our workouts. And there's so many books. Like I used to walk around in the library at university, and I used to wish I could just learn by osmosis and like suck up all the information in those books. But things like Blinkist do really well. They serve people really well that are busy in their day-to-day activities because you can consume 15 minutes of content of this book and that book and really kind of grasp the information from the book. So real quick, like where did... Tell us the background of Blinkist and where did it all come from? Yeah, sure. But by the way, if you ever don't know what to do, um, you can start in our marketing department. You can sell Blinkist better than I can. Uh, <laughs> thanks a lot for that for that great introduction. You're, you're... We had the idea, uh, my co-founders and I, we had the same problem. Like we were, we were out of university and we got into jobs. That was in 2011. And we were more busy and, and it was hard to fit in all the reading, all the learning that we wanted to. And we felt it's, you know, it's a pity that there's so many, so many great books out there, so many things to learn. And we simply don't have the time or can't make the time to fit all of that in. So we dig a little deeper and thought, well, is it really about time? Because technically it should only be about priorities. And learned that a lot of people don't know where to start. So discovery is a real big problem. And then it's also motivation. It's easier to, to lean back, watch a Netflix episode or, or listen to something on Spotify. And it's a little, it takes a little more effort to read something or to listen to, to something, you know, to learning content. And we thought, well, that's, you know, that's a, a huge universal problem that not just we have, and we felt like we can solve it. Back in 2011, smartphones were still on the rise. They weren't as you know, established as today, and the ecosystem was still fairly young. And we thought, well, more and more people shift content consumption from print or from their desktop to smartphones to on the go. So we thought now is the time to establish formats that fit into those little commute times, waiting times when you're on the go. Um, and help people to make make meaningful use of that time. That was yeah. the starting point back in 2011. It took us a couple of months to figure out the business model, really get behind the idea and quit our jobs. Um, but we did so early 2012 and then started our journey. And I, I love the idea that you guys are coming up with ideas. In So as university friends, were you guys in university when you came up with the idea? No, we were already in our You're jobs. Fit. So we met in university. We started our first company in university. Um, and that's where we kind of got to know each other, got to also you know, discovered our passion for entrepreneurship and, 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 and building stuff. Also during university, we made it a habit to frequently discuss about big problems that are worth solving that, uh, you know, that could be worthwhile to build a company upon. And we had 
tons of ideas, but when we ended university, we didn't have a strong enough idea that we were ready to, to start a company on. And then it took us a while. So we started jobs, but then eventually the idea for Blinkist arrived. But the first working title for that idea was Waitmate, a mate that helps you fill your waiting time for something smart. And when, you know, when that idea arrived, we knew, okay, it's a good idea. It's a strong problem and it's the right time because the, the increase in smartphone usage was just going through the roof. And we thought that the time for that idea has come. And then, and then we were ready to leave our jobs and then start. What were you guys studying in university? It's a small town in, in, in Germany in the middle of like, no, what's, Frankfurt. what subject, what subject? Uh, so we have uh, two, two of us were studying business administration. Uh, one was studying psychology and the, the fourth one was studying informatics. So engineering software nice. development. And then where did the name Blinkist come from? We were looking for names. So, so finding a name was a pain because, uh, you know, we have all these great ideas and then you look for the uh, .com domain and it's gone. <laughs> so it was a really long process. And one of the principles we were following, we wanted to find a name that we can connect to the format. So what we, we did, we, we take knowledge and shorten it and, you know, get the gist out of books and then deliver key insights uh, for people. So we thought, how could we call that? Because we didn't want to call it a book summary because it's technically not a summary. We don't take just chapter by chapter and then take out some, some of the paragraphs, but we really have people who read the title and then think about what does the author want to tell us and how can we present this in a way that it's easier to consume on the go. So it's more than a summary and we wanted to give a name to that format and we thought about different things and eventually some of us had the idea, well, there's this saying in a blink of an eye, uh, you can grasp something in the blink of an eye and then we thought, well, blink, that would be a good form, you know, a good name for that format. We could provide books in blinks and you know, every chapter is a blink that makes you get something in the blink of an eye. So that was the core, but then again, Blink and Blinks.com, the .com domain was gone. There was right. also a brand already with that name. And then we brainstormed a little bit how we could elaborate on that name and then thought the economist for Blinks would be Blinkist. That was the metaphor, pretty long shot, but um, eventually we fell in love with that name and used it. Can you talk a little bit about that process? Because I've went through that process myself when I did a brand change and it's grueling to find the right name to go through that process. Many sleepless nights, especially if you're, you have a, a time pressure behind you of just sitting in bed thinking about, oh, this name, that name, this name, this one's so good, but it's, you know, there's competitors out there. This one's so good. The SEO is not that great. So what was your guys' process to, to go from WakeMate into Blink as some of the brainstorming or mastermind you did throughout that process? It was really, not, not a really formalized structured process. We really did a lot of, you know, open-ended brainstorming sessions where we just threw names on the wall. And then we had, there were things, you know, things I remember was knowledge, but without the vocals. So K-N-L-D-G, um, you know, because mm -hmm. we, what we do with knowledge and we take out, we shorten it so you can still get the gist. And because there's this saying, you can, you know, you can, if you take out the vocals and only have the, um, the remaining letters, people can, still can read it because the mind uh, fills the gap. So we thought that would be, that was a nice metaphor, but then, you know, so we had crazy ideas like that. And this idea didn't make it because we thought no one will know how to pronounce it in the end or how to you know, talk <laughs> yeah. about it. So it just wouldn't, wouldn't have, yeah, it wouldn't have worked probably. So we just tried to find metaphors for what we're doing, you know, providing knowledge, uh, making knowledge more accessible, supporting discovery. There was also um, another thing was nutshell, in a nutshell. So we thought, should we be called nutshell? It was another idea. So really just 
uh, wild associations thrown on a whiteboard and then uh, we try to rank them by is there a .com domain available you can we register a trademark is that something that people will get uh, when they hear it is it easy to to talk about what we did not realize for Blinkist, we were four German speakers. We did not realize, apparently for English speakers, a lot of them uh, understand Blinklist. So a lot of people yeah. refer to Blinkist as Blinklist with the L. Uh, and uh, <laughs> even sometimes people who use it, like who use it, still they have Blinklist, which, which was not apparent. And that's not ideal, but um, I guess something we'll have to live with and something will, as we grow and establish our brand and make it more like a more of a household brand, it will go away. And there will be only Blinkist and not Blinklist. <laughs> so you guys, when you're starting from zero, were you guys, did you invest any money in the company? I think you did some, did you did some funding as well? Yes. Yeah, we yeah. are venture capital backed and okay. we weren't, uh, we didn't have a lot of savings when we started. Um, we were just out of university, had a job for a couple of months. So we needed to, uh, we, did, we couldn't bootstrap for a long time. Plus, right. Back then, the ecosystem wasn't as bootstrap friendly. Right now, you find uh, SaaS tools for everything. You know, to you can launch an app without without requiring developers um, by using tools. Um, you can leverage a lot of things. There wasn't um, back then. The, the the toolkit wasn't as um, as great. Plus, we were inexperienced, so something we still we didn't know. So we thought from the beginning, this needs to be an app. So we didn't even consider to start with a mailing list, for example because MailChimp was around by then already. We could have just made right. it a mailing list and to see whether we you know, can generate an, an audience. Also, podcasting wasn't a thing in 2012, so it was not an apparent option to us to just launch a podcast first. And well, um, monetization was also, uh, for digital content, wasn't as widely available. So we um, yeah, needed money quite soon. So we talked to people in our network. Apparently, you know, when you scream into the universe, something comes back. And I did... I, Never knew, but when I reached out into my network and said, by the way, I want to start this company. Does anyone know Business Angels? I got a lot of contacts back from people who knew Business Angels. And then one of my former bosses invested with a group of friends that he invests with. And I never knew that he would, uh, that he is a Business Angel. So yeah, so, you know, through friends, family uh, and network, we found our first investors and then, then took it from there. Hey guys, real quick, are you looking to grow your online business with a tool used by Salesforce, Nike, and Adobe, but is also accessible to freelancers and entrepreneurs? Outgrow's powerful software allows any marketer to build a wide range of personalized, engaging tools such as calculators, graders, assessment, and quizzes without any technical or design experience. These interactive content pieces have been continuously outshining standard marketing techniques with over 38% conversion rates. Outgrow makes it easy for you to engage with your audience, assess their knowledge, recommend specific plans and products while improving your conversion rate. In fact, Outgrow is ranked as the number one B2B tech company in New York because of the power of their software and their outstanding support. You can sign up for Outgrow at outgrow.co forward slash BM. That's outgrow.co forward slash B as in boy, M as in Michael, and start your free trial today. Now, let's hop back into the interview. And so you're getting the funding for the company and then you guys are at your office. And then what about the launching process for Blinkist? So we started officially in June. So we started writing content, thinking about how the app should look like. And we were ready to launch in January the next year. So it took us kind of a little more than six months from real start to launch. 
which is in hindsight way too long. Like we, we were, we overcomplicated things way too long. We <laughs> contemplated so long, how should the app look like? And then had a designer who came with fancy prototypes and, and then we started developing and eventually way too late, we, we showed those prototypes, those mockups to users and say like, Hey, can you click through and tell us what you, what you see and what you think this is? And then uh, in user testing, uh, the user said, well, I think this is a video app because it was very visual. And um, so we, all these fancy designs were, um, weren't worth anything because they were misguiding users. So we had to, you know, go back uh, to the drawing table and make it much easier. And then, um, um, yeah, ultimately, um, what we launched was really basic. It was an app that lets you, you know, that lets you discover titles, lets you read them. We launched with text only uh, back then and then lets you purchase a, a monthly subscription. Um, and we were excited, you know, after seven months of hard work, we were excited for launch day. We had the, the German TechCrunch uh, uh, site lined up for to write an article about us. And then on day one, nothing happened. <laughs> so we, I mean, maybe like, uh, you know, our moms signed up. So we had kind of a, probably a two digit number of signups. Maybe it was a hundred signups and maybe two people who, were nice enough to buy a subscription. So it was really slow start. Uh, but that was early 2013. Um, you know, Spotify and Netflix were still pretty small. Digital subscriptions for content weren't as, you know, um, consumer subscription wasn't a big thing yet. Um, so pretty early days on everything. Um, and also for really inexperienced um, founders who've never launched a product, who've never done, you know, never built a consumer brand. So, um, and then from there, I, we really yeah, started a one and a half year long journey of learning all of that. So, yeah. so 2013 and also the, the first half of 2014 was really tough. Um, we were um, always at the edge of bankruptcy, you know, you know, hustling to get an investor to put in some more money, um, despite the numbers not being great, trying mm -hmm. to, you know, hustle some signups together here and there, scaling a library fixing the product, learning how to do digital marketing. And by mid of 2014, we had figured it out. We, um, um, we started to produce audio. We launched, so um, in fall 2014, we launched audio. Uh, we launched an updated pricing model with annual subscriptions. We, we had figured out how to track, you know, how to attribute digital marketing, how to track this, all, all these things, and had figured out how to invest in paid marketing to kind of um, establish a, a growth engine and then things started to look much better and then be much more fun. Uh, and yeah. And then, um, since then it's been a constant growth journey for what is that? Uh, more than six years now. Yeah. Uh, how long did it take you guys to, to hit profit? Um, last year was our first profitable year. Um, before okay. that we, we never prioritize profit. We always prioritize growth. growth. So we were, you know, we had venture capital um, and we always aligned with our investors. Let's focus on growth um, and let's invest every euro we earn and into growing our library, growing our team to, to move faster, to do more things at the same time. And most uh, importantly, growing our user base by reinvesting in marketing. So maybe the better question is then, and how long did it take you to get comfortable with not feeling like you're on the verge of bankruptcy? Yeah. So that was uh, in by the end of 2015. So we saw okay. things starting to work out uh, end of 2014, and then you know 2015 was the first year where we where we you know we had a clear plan in the beginning of what we want to do, and then 
that's what we did and then we reached the numbers we wanted to reach. So it was the first year where we really felt we are in control. This is a business model and a machine that we can, you know, that we can, um, we can consciously drive upwards. Um, yeah. And that's also when we, end of 2015, when we raised our Series A with, um, with um, investors from Germany and the US, which was a, a really nice external confirmation. So I'd say, yeah, by the end of 2015, we really, we had what they say, product market fit and, and, and um, we're in control. Gotcha. Um, so that time, you know, that's two and a half years or so between being comfortable and, and that and starting the company. Um, any sell, any doubts that came up for you guys thinking, oh, maybe we should go back to our jobs. This thing isn't going to work. What do we do? How long can we go like, go on like this? Yes, definitely. I was also personally, I was in a situation, I was doing a long distance relationship with my back then girlfriend, now wife. I actually, I was getting married in that period in, in 2014. Um, so I was working in Berlin. She was working in Düsseldorf, which is a five hour train ride. Mm -hmm. Um, so there was sometimes a question, you know, is it worth it? This, you know, this, uh, um, it was a sacrifice, um, to, um, to go long distance and, um, um, yeah, so there were doubts uh, and still are. I think every entrepreneur I know, or most of them, they always have doubts, uh, you know, that, and that's, you know, a lot of us, or at least I can speak for myself. I always think like, are we good enough? Am I good enough? Is, is this going to last or is this just uh, pure luck? Uh, and I think that's healthy because that's what keeps me going. You know, always questioning, never being, you know, always having a little doubt and never being happy. That keeps me going and that keeps me striving for more and, and, and constantly improve myself. So I think to a certain extent, it's, it's what you need um, to be uh, successful. It's true. Uh, and I read another uh, a nice quote from Naval the other day on Twitter. He said, like, you know, um, uh, you have to choose between being happy or being successful because success comes from, from not being happy because that's what drives you to improve. Uh, and uh, I found that there's there's some truth to it. Um, yeah. Even though I would love to be successful and happy, but uh, <laughs> there's got to be not happy idea. about something <laughs> usually pushes me um, on improving myself or changing circumstances, and then that leads to being more successful. Anytime you had self doubt, did you guys just go to your own product and you know look up seven habits of highly effective people and reread the summary or? No, sometimes, uh, of course, I mean, we ate and we eat our own dog food. Um, but sometimes when you have, you know, um, for me, it was also very important to sometimes disconnect. And I can't disconnect when I use my own product because then I find a flaw, I find something that I want to improve and then I'm in the business again. I think, oh, damn, we need to improve this. We need to improve that. So, um, um, yeah, I, I need to balance this. But I'm an avid reader, and that includes Blinkist, but also for books. So I take a lot of knowledge and a lot of inspiration from books. A lot of times I discover them on Blinkist, and I get the you know high-level overview on Blinkist. And then for some books where I think there's a lot of value for me here, where I want to dig deeper, get you know more positions, um, more examples, um, and, and more of the author's story, and then I go on and read the full book. Nice, nice. So, and and now you guys, according to the stat that I had, uh, that I read, um, you have around 140 people in the company yes. from 40 different countries, right? 40 different nationalities. Yes. Yeah. Did you know beforehand that you really wanted to create this? And, and I think, you know, what from I know as well is that you have a very um, 
well, you, you used to have an office space pre-COVID, but it was very, uh, people could work if from home if they wanted to, if they could work in the office, um, they can come and go, set their own hours sort of thing. Did you know from the beginning you wanted to create a very diverse international type of company or did it just kind of evolve from, you know, just naturally? It evolved naturally. And then eventually we started to make it conscious. When we started Blinkist, all we wanted is to create a successful business that makes an impact in the world. Um, and that, that was our drive. And we didn't, you know, we didn't think about the organization, you know, what we need to do organizationally too much. We just thought about how can we build the right app? How can we um, scale content on high quality? How can we market it? These were the things. And we didn't think about how do we, yeah structure the organization but after two years we realized you know by just letting um culture and struct organizational structure happen unconsciously that usually is a mistake because you know um you whether you want it or not you establish a culture and certain structures and certain behaviors and certain processes get established and if you don't think about it consciously chances are high that you won't like the result uh, because you don't shape it proactively mm -hmm. so Eventually, we uh, yeah, in, in 2014, we realized well, we you know we left corporates to build our own business, and then we're, now we're building a a, um, a not so nice organization, um, and that's when we said okay, we can't just make financial success and um, and, and 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 reaching a lot of customers um, um, a business goal. We also want to make it a goal to to build a, you know, to be an employer that people love to work for and that we love to work for um, because that's where we go every day. So that's when we prioritized organization, um, structure, processes, culture, all these things. Um, and um, that's when, you know, also like the diversity piece, Berlin is a very diverse city. It's a very international city. A lot of people um, come there from all over the world and also a lot of people apply from all over the world and we relocate a lot of people. So that was in the beginning, to be honest, also just it happened. We didn't consciously set a goal. We want to have 40, 40 different nationalities. It happened. But as we uh, thought about organization more intentionally um, as we grew, we realized that's a skill. That's a, you know, that's a strong, that makes us stronger. And it's not just, um, uh, also I learned along the way, it's not just about hiring a bunch of people from different countries, but then it's also about building an inclusive workplace because um, those people come with different experiences and, and different perspectives. And we need to make sure that all of them are here, uh, are heard. And um, so, yeah, that a lot of this, a lot of stuff happened, started unconsciously, but then once we realized that we made a conscious effort to, to change the bad things and keep the good things. Yeah. So, um, and I think if I'm correct, Holger, like uh, the partnerships that you have, well, you have some partnerships with authors of the books, but you, you guys don't need copyrights because it's an individual summary, a content creator's sum, summary of the book, right, that you, they put on audio. Is that correct? Yes, it's, and as I said before, it's not even a summary. It's really an original work. We have, uh -huh. you know, smart people read the book and then think about um, what is it, you know, what are the key insights here and how do we present them in a way that people mm -hmm. can uh, get the gist on the go in audio and text. So there's a lot of originality in it and a lot of value add and that that makes it, uh, that moves it, puts it into, in, into a fair use bucket. Like there's copyright law and certain things are infringing copyright and certain things are fair use and our content is considered fair use. Gotcha. That being said, while we are allowed to do what we do legally, 
still important for us to, you know, to work with authors, to work with publishers, because we're not, we didn't start Blinkist to cannibalize books, you know, to say like, okay, in, in, in 10 years, no one needs to read books anymore. They can read Blinkist. We, we realized there is, a, as I said in the beginning, there's a discoverability uh, problem with books and there's a motivation problem. And yeah. we believe that a service like Blinkist, short form content, can solve both. You can, with a much lower barrier, dip your toes into different areas and discover easier. Um, we get more signals from what people like and then can recommend you know, match the right person with the right content at the right time more easily. And dipping your toe into something for 15 minutes is a lower barrier. And then once you realize this book is really helping me, then you have a much higher motivation to go on and, and read or listen to the full book because you already know there's value in there. This is going to you know change my life or help me in my job or it's, it's just interesting and I want to dig deeper. So um, yes, that's why it's important for us to build partnerships with um, with the creators of the underlying works um, to yeah to just be seen as a partner. Uh, how many books do you guys have on file now? Of, uh, more than four thousand. Four thousand. And then, if you do create a partnership, what does that usually look like? Like, um, uh, do you guys contact the author and and talk to them about you know your service and what you're doing, or do they contact you guys and say, hey. So we, we go via the publishers because technically publishers okay. are the right holders. So authors, right. they give all the rights to publishers or most authors. And then even, you know, even if they wanted to work with us, they need to talk to their publisher. So we practically reach out to publishers and tell them what we're doing, tell them that we'd like to work with them. Um, and the ones we're working with, we have um, partnership agreements. So we share um, a small pool of our revenue with them um, to, to let them, you know, to let them benefit, let the publishers out, but most importantly, the authors benefit from, from the revenue we're generating um, that is partly due to their works um, because um, we're benefiting that, you know, the underlying works are, um, um, you know, have, have a certain, um, how do I say, that they are known and then people, um, you know, want to wanna dip their toe into something uh, first. So that's definitely something that we recognize um, and also want to, um, yeah, that, that's why we're happy to share some of the revenues. And in return, we get a, um, we get a, um, uh, or the right to use the original cover. So we mm -hmm. can, we're not allowed to use that without an, a marketing or partnership agreement with publishers. Um, and um, that's kind of the deal. Nice. Um, and, and you're starting to uh, have short form, or actually you have already short form content for podcasts as well. Is that correct? Yes, we started that in, um, in November last year. We, we launched um, Shortcasts, so which is similar to what we're doing with books, just with podcasts, because there's a ton of podcasts out there, one to two hours long. Um, there's so, you know, so many good podcasts, but you don't have the time to read all of them, and you don't have the time to discover what you really want to... Um, sorry, you don't have time to listen to all of them, not read, and you don't have the time to discover what you want to listen to next. So we thought... That's what we're good at. That's what our brand stands for. And it's a, it's a strong need and a big market. So we tapped into that. We, we launched with, um, with great shows like uh, the Happiness Lab or Revisionist History. Um, we'll uh, soon launch um, Cautionary Tales and Against the Rules. Um, there is really great shows on, um, on file already. And we have a lot of other shows lined up. So really excited about this new format. Nice. And um, that's exciting to see. 
I, you know, one thing I always thought in the podcast market, there's very much a lack of short form content, you know, all these podcasts, there's plenty of long term, long form content, but I think that's uh, a very valuable service because again, just like our short attention spans and busy people, you know, we don't want to commit to an hour long podcast or through, especially the three hour long podcast, you know, I love these, just like Naval, you mentioned earlier, they're coming out with the two 10 minute you know, clips that are saying, yeah. boom, and it's like, wow, while I'm waiting in line to mail my box or whatever, um, I could soak up, you know, 15 minutes of Naval Ravikant or anybody that's putting out short form content. Yeah. Uh, that's why, again, why I love this concept of Blinkist, why I think it's so powerful. Um, what do you guys, what do you guys predict for the future for Blinkist for the next five to 10 years? You're going to keep growing it out and get stellar many... growth obviously so yeah. now we're coming like we had a um, a challenging year 2020 because it was a tough year for audio because mm -hmm. especially for short form audio i don't know if you've seen Same. Uh, how 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 what happened to your shortcast uh, to your to your podcast uh, stats but uh, we definitely saw less usage because people tend to listen to audio while they're on the go while they're commuting and we saw those commute spikes they were gone so so we had a little blip in, grow in terms of growth last year. Didn't grow as fast as we were used to in the previous year, years and as we wanted to. But we already saw it coming back end of year. Now we have a very strong January. So despite mm -hmm. people still being in lockdown, people are changing their habits and finding new pockets of engagement with audio. Um, so this, these headwinds go away slightly. And once the pandemic is gone, uh, we'll have strong tailwinds because there was a strong tailwind for more and more people engaging with audio content to, um, um, to learn. So we, yeah, we, um, you know, this, if you filter out the pandemic, we're riding a really strong macro trend and a really big wave, um, um, with our bet on audio. Um, there's a strong need for people to keep learning, to constantly keep learning, um, a strong desire, which we have a solution for. Our solution is not perfect. There's a ton of things we, we we're working on to improve more content better discovery and recommendation mechanisms to match the right person with the right, um, with the right content at the right time, gamifying it a little bit more to help people have with building habits uh, and, um, and, you know, committing to something and then following through on it. So there's tons of things for us to, um, to work on, to improve, but we see, yeah, in all the years we've always moved our, our core metrics, which is engagement, uh, uh, number of active customers, or we call them monthly engaged learners and um, customers overall. And um, we're, yeah, we'll continue to do that for the next five to 10 years. Our ambition is to, to uh, build, build out Blinkist into a really globally renowned consumer brand for lifelong learning that helps people to, to fit more learning into their um, daily lives and to, to make it a routine. Holger, what have been two or three of the most profound books that you've seen from your own content from Blinkist that you listened to and you thought, wow, that is really shocking or changed your life or changed your business in some way? My favorite all-time nonfiction book is Mindset from Carol Dweck. And I discovered that through Blinkist. So I got the gist on Blinkist, but then I also went on and, and read it in full. Um, it's about... Like it, it, it explains the concept of a growth and a fixed mindset. And when you have a fixed mindset, you think that, you know, you're good at certain things and you're not good at other things. So you believe in talent uh, and that's how you judge things. If, if you try something new and it doesn't work, then people think like, oh, I'm not good at it. I can't do it. So I'll, so they stop trying. And with a growth mindset, you approach things like, 
I can do anything, but it, it requires work. Uh, I need to, you know, put in the work to learn it. And um, all of us have both mindsets and we approach certain situations with, um, with a growth mindset and others with a fixed mindset. And um, by being, you know, more aware, having higher awareness of these concepts, I could I started to realize on my own when I would approach situations with a fixed mindset, even for myself, also with employees, sometimes I would, you know, have a very fast belief that someone is not good at something. And then I didn't give that person a chance to grow and prove me wrong. And I kind of had this, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy for, of me not trusting that the person has the talent to do it. And then it, it was set up for failure. So I also in relation with others, um, I, I could spot those tendencies and then can, you know, remind myself, approaches with a growth mindset and uh and then not with a fixed mindset so that was that was probably yeah, the, the one book that um that changed my life uh, and you know um uh, the most another you know one of the more recent books that i really appreciated was no rules from reed hastings the, the netflix uh, founder and ceo oh, wow. he, he talks about or he, he writes about netflix culture how they how they approach things and that's very inspiring and it's not a blueprint on how i want to build the, the, the blinkist culture because netflix culture is very ruthless they are, it's a very extreme yeah. um culture um but it was very inspiring to you know to to realize if you say yes to something you also need to say yes to others so, so um to give you an example from netflix they are uh um they have a counter of freedom and accountability so everyone needs to have you know you can work from anywhere um, you can, you know, you set your own pace. You're free to do what you want to do, but you're also accountable for results. Um, so there's no micromanagement at Netflix. No one telling you what to do uh, and how to do it. Um, lots of freedom. You can uh, you can take as many vacation days as you want, but there is accountability that you deliver your results. And if you don't deliver, there's the keeper test. So and it says like. Um, Good performance uh, gets a gets a um, a great package. So if you perform good, you know they kick you out. They want exceptional performance. Um, right. They do a keeper test frequently, where you say like, where you, they where they ask managers to to ask themselves, if this employee would um, would leave tomorrow, would I be you know upset and would I try everything that I can to make um, him or her stay? Um, and if that question, if you don't answer that question with yes, then let that person go. Wow. So it's ruthless, right? You're constantly, you can do what you want, but you're held very accountable and you're constantly on spot. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people are constantly afraid to lose their jobs. So, so that's a downside. But, you know, realizing that freedom and uh, like full freedom and accountability can only come with full account uh, accountability and can mm -hmm. only come with, you know, with being ruthless about, um, about only keeping top performers. Um, seeing that connection was very inspiring because, yeah. What happens probably in most of the companies, employees ask for a lot of freedom and, you know, uh, they, they, they ask for the good part of the equation, a lot of freedom and doing things uh, the way they want them to do. Yeah. They also ask in an abstract way, they're also fine with being held accountable. Mm -hmm. But then in reality, and looking at the Netflix example, what that means in the end, if you really, um, if you really think it through, that's, you know, not, not everyone likes that culture. I don't like that culture. I don't want to have... I think I want work to be, to a certain extent, a safe space and a, a, not a space that constantly adds stress to your life. So I want a better balance. So maybe less ruthlessness, but also then uh, there's a little less freedom and, and a little bit more involvement from leaders, maybe. Mm, very so cool. that was another more recent recent example of, and again, that discovered that 
on, on Blinkist and then went on to read the full book. Yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned, I was actually just reading about fixed mindset and growth mindset um, yesterday, no, two days ago, uh, in Stephen Kotler's new book, The Art of Impossible. And he talks about that. And I believe he mentions Carol's the author, right? Carol's book, yeah, Carol Mindset. Yeah. And it was really interesting, but it's absolutely, it's fascinating, but very true. So, okay, Holger, I think we're going to wrap up there. If Do you have anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with before we, we sign off? No, I think, I mean, uh, obviously give Blinkist a try. Uh, it's really, and may, maybe uh, something like a lot of, not a lot of people, but I hear that again and again. Some people look at Blinkist with a skeptical thinking like, oh, we're dumbing down on fiction. It's about replacing books and I love books so much, but it's the opposite. We're, we're the gateway track to, yeah. to books and learning. Uh, and so, so give it a try and give it a chance and then see the, the positive aspects of it. I think it's a fascinating concept for sure. Um, if there listeners want to reach out and learn more about you or Blinkist, where's the best place LinkedIn. they can go? I'm on LinkedIn. I don't Twitter. I don't tweet a lot. Um, I'm, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. People can connect on LinkedIn, reach out. Also on Clubhouse these days. Uh, let's see You're how long Clubhouse, I last. Yeah. <laughs> Me quite, too. Quite time consuming. Uh, so yeah, let's see how long that lasts. For me, uh, I, think, right. I, think I believe in the concept. I think they will grow a lot, but uh, I probably it won't be a big part of my content diet for now because it's time consuming. And then, of course, Blinkist.com for those that want to check out Blinkist, right? Of course, yeah. Or on your mobile app. Cool. Okay, uh, Holger, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Chris. And listeners, we're going to wrap up there. Thank you guys for tuning in once again, and we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high-performance productivity coaching and our six, seven, and eight-figure private masterminds. These are all designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to help you scale rapidly and grow. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. And... We'll see you all on the next episode.